Hello again, everyone. Welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 9th of January, Yanuar, 2023. Happy Monday. Happy Mondays suck. Mondays do suck. But you know what? You got to get through Monday to get through Friday. Get to Friday. So we shall endeavor forward. Different kind of program for you today. I have been just wiped out. I don't know what the hell's wrong with me. I uh, we didn't stay up super We watched the... Um, I bought the kids Puss in Boots, the movie I took them to see in the theater, and uh, we watched that twice, and then uh, the wife and I watched The Menu on HBO, which is an excellent movie. It's enjoyable. And I went to bed not super late Saturday night, and God, I woke up, I guess, when I woke up today, made, the kid, made everybody breakfast, uh, did a little bit of cleaning, wrote a column, took a shower, and then just collapsed on the couch about 10 till 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I had to force myself to get up. Like, oh, God, I can't waste the whole day. I'll be up all night. But I was just exhausted. I'm still not with it completely. I don't think I'm sick, but there has been sickness going around. I do feel like I got punched in the stomach, or I did feel like I got punched in the stomach a while ago, but that seems to have passed. So I don't know what the hell's going on. So this is going to be a short show, and actually what I'm going to do is I'm going to use part of my radio show from Friday. So what you'll hear when we get to that will be out of date, but relevant. It's analysis of the fight for the speakership. We now have a speaker. I was up until one o'clock Friday night watching the news, watching the final speaker election, and I'll talk more about it tomorrow. I'm glad it's over. The foregone conclusion, and realistically, the only guy who wants the job, which my argument all along is somebody's got to want the job. If no, if if people go, I'll do it if you come to me and uh, kiss my butt enough, and I'll do it as a favor to you. No, that's not what leadership is. A leadership isn't a favor. So it worked out really the the best way it could have. Did it work out ideally? No, but did it work out the best way it could have? Yes. Did it work out the way it should have a long time ago? Probably. But there are some really good rules changes that should be implemented, and as such, we'll get into that, and I'll get into. God, the garbage speech from Hakeem Jeffries. What a what a piece of crap he is. But right now, I just feel like uh, I don't know. I, like I was like I was on a boat. A while. I don't know what the hell's going on. So I'll play that out of date stuff for you. That's still relevant. That's how brilliant this program is. It can be old, but still absolutely relevant because the overarching theme works. But first, we've got some housekeeping to take care of. If it is after 12.01, well, you can't listen to this until 12.01 a.m. Eastern time on Monday, you can go to patreon.com slash Podcast or derekhunter.locals.com and enter to win an autographed book of your choosing. This week's battle is between my book, and I don't even know if I got more copies of my book, so this might be the last copy of my book for a while until I open up a box that maybe has like four or five of them, but I don't know where that box is. And The Freedom Agenda by Senator Mike Lee. My book is only coming back because a bunch of you emailed me saying you wanted my book, but you'd take Donald Trump the last time, which is weird. You should have taken Donald Trump. 
But now that the Trump one's gone, I said I'd bring it back because I wanted you to take Trump. So mine will be up there. It's not signed. The pic- There's no picture of the inside because I didn't sign it yet. I will personalize it if you so choose or if you think you can get seven cents for it by not having it personalized. I'll just sign it. And I'll write whatever the hell you want. I don't care. Um, or The Freedom Agenda by Senator Mike Lee, one of the few good guys in the United States Senate. So check that out. Enter there. And then if it's after 12.03 a.m. on Monday, and this goes for all week, but the sooner you do it, the, the better. It'll be up. I mean, it'll be up forever, but I will be uh, pumping it and pimping it this week. There is a poll up at the Patreon site. You don't have to be a member to look at it, so you don't have to worry. It's not like you join or whatever to, to have your voice. It is a poll about the length of this program. And this show will be particularly short. Um, Most shows are about an hour to an hour and a half, usually an hour and 20 minutes long. Some people, if you just look at what other podcasts are, they're like an hour at the most. Most of them are like a half an hour. Some of them are like 15 minutes. I don't know how the hell you talk about anything in an interesting way in 15 minutes. But they have corporate sponsors. They make a ton of money. So what the hell do I know? So I'm curious if... You guys enjoy the long program or they prefer a shorter one. Now, I, if you if you don't care, whatever, you can always, I always listen to podcasts and books on tape at like time and a half speed, which is funny. And then if you go down to like half speed, it sounds like everybody's really high. It actually sounds like the way you feel when you take a giant hit off a balloon of nitrous oxide at an after hours club, illegally, of course. But uh, I'm just curious because obviously I want to focus on growing the program and what do you guys think is the best way forward on that? I don't honestly know. I don't really listen to that many podcasts anymore, mostly books on tape. I'm listening to the uh, Big Bam again about Babe Ruth. I just listened to Bono, which was excellent except for the political parts, and uh, which isn't a whole lot of the book. And I'm always looking for something. I'm more interested in historical biographies or biographies of athletes that I care about, mostly baseball from the olden. I wish there was a, there's no really, seemingly no really good book, at least not an audio version, of a really in-depth, comprehensive look at Joe DiMaggio's life. He was wildly private. And a real pain in the ass, a real jerk, and not a good husband to Marilyn Monroe, et cetera, et cetera. But you'd think somebody would have written a book about that. I don't really know much about his career. Obviously, before my time, his baseball cards are too damned expensive. Love to have them, but can't afford them. And uh, you just look at this guy, and he's kind of an enigma. There are books written about him, but not seemingly comprehensive, not in-depth, not... Not long, not, I don't know. So anyway, that's enough about that. So go ahead, check that out at patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast. It won't cost you. You don't have to sign up. You don't have to do it. It's open to the public. And that will be three minutes after the uh, after midnight. And it'll be there all week. I don't know if I can make it stay at the top or not, but we'll see. Uh, it'll be at the top because I'm not going to be posting regularly. And I'm also toying with the idea. I don't know why on uh, Saturday night, and maybe this is why I'm feeling run down. I'm getting into nostalgia TV from before I was born. Excuse me. Sorry. See what I'm saying? I watched a bunch of Charlie's Angels episodes. I've watched watched, um, Love Boat. 
can't find Fantasy Island. But they're like on Amazon Prime. Some of this stuff is on uh, on Paramount. Like season two of Happy Days is up there. So I'm thinking of doing a random podcast every once in a while, maybe once a week, maybe once every two weeks at uh, the Patreon site about how things have changed. I make these observations to my wife all the time. She's probably sick of hearing about them, about how things have just changed dramatically. Like we were watching Charlie's Angels as episode two or three in the series where um, they're developing, they're in a, a, a dark room, developing photographs that Farrah Fawcett took on a little spy camera. And I said to her, I said, you don't, that's one of the things that gone the way of the dodo. My kids will never know what the hell a dark room is. They're just the dark room was a staple of television in the sixties, the seventies in particular, in the eighties, where there's like some spy or cop show like we're taking the pictures and we we actually can't wait five seconds. Nowadays, like you take a picture, you look at it. Did I get it? Did I not get it? You used to have to take a picture of something and then you'd sit we my parents and I None of my siblings came along. They should have. They missed out. We drove from Detroit to California through the south, visited my aunt in San Diego for two weeks, and then we drove back up north and we zigzagged. All, we had everything, pretty much everything you could hit out there. My mom took something like 12 rolls of film. Now, my kids won't know what the hell a roll of film is, but we had no idea what we'd gotten. Were heads cut off? Did somebody blink? Was it blurry? Until we got home, took the film in, which was wildly expensive to get developed, and it took like a couple of days to get it back. Now you just, if you actually have film, you just, you don't even have to. You take your phone in there, you click print in the CBS, the machine belches it out, and you got your film. So I was thinking of doing a podcast about how things have changed, a humorous look at it. It'll be, it'll be funny. It'll sound negative. It'll be cynical, but it's funny and uh, nostalgic if you will, yearning for a day gone by. So that'll be another benefit of uh, joining up at Patreon and and or locals. But anyway, enough rambling. Good God, it's almost been 10 minutes. Let's get to the uh, program that I recorded on Friday so I can go back and just lay down. I don't know what the hell's going on. So hopefully tomorrow we'll be back in full because I'll talk about the president's trip to the border. God, what an idiot. And the battle for speaker and where we go from here and just how horrible a creature Hakeem Jeffries is. If you uh, read my town hall column from Sunday, you'll get the gist of it. Anyway, without further ado, here you go. Okay, so the latest in the speaker battle. Not the latest, but just uh, some thoughts. I don't care how this shakes out. People are always emailing me and people are tweeting at me and going, oh, you're just a tool for Kevin McCarthy. You're not listening very closely to what I'm saying if you think I'm a tool for Kevin McCarthy. I don't care who the next speaker of the House is. I Honestly, I don't know who the hell would want the job now. Who would take this job? Hey, wanted... Leader of Republicans in the House must be willing to be stabbed in the back continually. And uh, good luck trying to herd cats. I'm not sure who wants that job. And oh, by the way, we're going to strip you of all your power. So, yeah. It's funny listening to these people going, I want to make this job basically symbolic. I want to neuter the Speaker of the House to the point that it doesn't really even matter. And I think Jim Jordan would be great at it. Like, what, Jim Jordan? He... Do you not like Jim Jordan? Do you think Jim Jordan would be a horrible... No, Jim Jordan would be a wonderful Speaker of the House. I just don't want him to have any ability to do anything. 
well, wait, if you don't want him to have any ability to do anything, that must mean you don't like him, you don't trust him, whatever. No, 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 no. I want him to be able to do all the speakery things, except for, you know, anything the speaker does. I just, uh, I want to make sure that the speaker's, okay, what? What is it? You want the speaker to be a ceremonial position? Or do you want Jim Jordan to be Speaker of the House because he's the only person you trust to be Speaker? If it's both, you got some explaining to do as to why in the hell you think Jim Jordan would decide to publicly castrate himself and take this job. <laughs> Honestly, hey, you know, I really want to be the head, chairman of the Judiciary Committee because I want to lead these investigations into things I have been investigating for years. Now I'll get the gavel. And I really want to expose the fraud of the Democrats, of the Biden family, of the Biden administration. But you know what? I'll throw all that to the wind to be a ceremonial figurehead at the uh, top of the food chain in the House of Representatives, but isn't really the top of the food chain. I'll do that. You have to think if you did that to somebody, that's where you want to put somebody where you don't want them to have any influence, where you don't want them to have any say, where you don't want them to matter. So they sit there and they go, well, I love Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan would be a great Speaker of the House. I just don't want him to be Speaker of the House. What? No, no, I want him to be Speaker of the House, but I don't want him to have any power whatsoever. Okay, so you don't trust him. No, 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 I trust him. I uh, trust him to the ends of the earth. I just don't want him to be able to have any power and do anything because I don't trust him. Wait, what? Huh? You think I'm kidding? I've got some audio. Matt Gates was on with Laura Ingram the other day talking about this. this is, first of all, can I just, uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll maybe save that for a minute. But Matt Gates was on, and he basically said he wants to speakership. He did. He was saying, I want. Jim Jordan. All these people are saying, I want Jim Jordan. I want Jim Jordan. See, if Jim Jordan wanted to be Speaker, that'd be great. That'd be great. He doesn't want to be Speaker. He he needs to be and wants to be where he'd be most effective, which is chair of the Judiciary Committee. But Matt Gates, while saying and extolling the virtues of Jim Jordan, then went on to say that he wants the Speakership. He's extracting and trying to extract even more and more concessions to make the Speakership ceremonial, essentially worthless. Which, again, begs the question, why the hell would you want some... Why would anybody want the job if that's the case? Listen to him just basically make that case. It is not the end of the world that we take a few extra days or maybe even a couple weeks to sort this out. I mean, Laura, you know this. There are some days in Congress where the only thing we vote on is the changing of the name of one post office. Now we're deciding who's second in line to the presidency. And the construct of these rules concessions functionally turn the speakership into a ceremonial position. Matter of fact, if my colleagues get what they want from McCarthy, the chairman of the Freedom Caucus will actually be more important than the Speaker of the House in determining the legislation that reaches the floor, how amendments are processed, and how spending when, so, occurs going yeah, forward. I, I... Well, then why the hell would anybody... I love Jim Jordan. I trust him. I just don't want him to do anything. I want him to be speaker. I want him neutered. If you don't trust Kevin McCarthy and you're crafting a deal that will make the speakership almost worthless, then why wouldn't you put Kevin McCarthy in there? I don't trust him. I don't want him to have a say. So, yeah, then then the speakership under this idea seems like that'd be the place to put him, wouldn't it? I'm not sure there... 
we're dealing with great intellects here. I'm not sure we're dealing with people who are um, all that bright or have thought this through. I think we're dealing with people who are, you know, the dog that caught the car. Like, oh, crap. Oh, no, that's not. Okay, well, I guess I'll keep making more demands. I want to see how far this will go because you have no end game. You want it to be ceremonial. Fine. You want the chairman of the Freedom Caucus to have more say over what legislation comes to the floor than the Speaker of the House. Fine. All well and good. Except that I keep going back. I feel like Columbo here. One more thing. One more, one more thing. You have to recognize, I would hope these people are bright enough to recognize, that the Republicans will not always be in the majority in the House of Representatives. It goes back, it used to be a very rare thing that leadership of the House would change, and it's now it's been like every couple, every three cycles, every three election cycles, it switches. And it's such a small majority right now, it could just be the next cycle. Depends on how the 2024 election goes. I'm reminded of Harry Reid and the filibuster rule. When Harry Reid wanted, under pressure from the radical left in his party, said, all right, we're going to get rid of the filibuster. You're going to keep filibustering these judges, these radical left-wing judges. Uh, You're going to keep using the rules that we've all used, that Democrats have used thousands of times. If you're going to keep doing that, then we're going to change the rules so you can't use them anymore. We'll change the rules for judges except for the Supreme Court. And everybody, many Democrats, but... Uh, every Republican, including Mitch McConnell, who went down the floor and gave a great speech on this, said, you know, you want to probably think through this thing before you do it, because um, you're not always going to be in the majority. You're not always going to have the White House. There's going to be a time when you're going to want to use the filibuster against certain judicial nominees and personnel nominees, and you're going to have just nuked it right here. If you want to do that, go ahead. And Harry Reid said, damn, the torpedoes full steam ahead. And he did it. And then we ended up with three Donald Trump appointed Supreme Court justices. It was a thing of beauty. They got a giant dose of their own medicine. Well, if you are sitting there and saying, well, the House Freedom Caucus is going to have the ability. The House Freedom Caucus is the conservatives, are the conservatives in the House. I have nothing against the House Freedom Caucus. I, if I were a member of Congress, I would likely be in the House Freedom Caucus. I would be one of their strong members. I'd be a more pragmatic member than many of them because I understand how the world works. But that being said, if you just reverse the situation, Democrats take over, and you have a chance. Nancy Pelosi is a horrible Speaker of the House. A leftist, but she is not a full-blown lunatic leftist like an AOC. AOC and the goon squad did not get, and the progressive caucus did not get what they wanted rammed through the House. They got some of it, but not most. Not a lot. If the situation were reversed, then the progressive caucus would be able to decide what comes to the floor of the House. That doesn't mean it's going to pass. 
it uh, the piece of legislation coming from the House Freedom Caucus doesn't mean it's going to get a majority of votes in the House of Representatives. But a speaker can hold some of the self-destructive crap at bay. Because let's face it, <sighs> members of Congress, not all of them, but more than it should be, are not that bright. There are very many members of Congress who are pretty stupid. They just are. You don't know about them. You don't hear about them because there are 435 of them and you hear probably only about 10 of them. Those are the ones that get on cable news. But in general, you're dealing with weirdos. You're dealing with Blake Farenthold, the one that always comes to mind. He is a he was a Republican from Texas. He was a weird guy, wore like rabbit footy pajamas. And he was a grown adult and you just looked at him and he, he looks like the kind of guy who'd lick his fingertips a lot. I don't know how else to describe him. Just kind of a weird dude. And you think, how the hell did this guy get elected? He was as weird and as dumb as you would have thought he was. And he, he ended up, uh, I think it was a sexual, there was something he had to resign from Congress. It was some disgrace. There are a lot of people up there that if they don't keep their heads down, they will have to resign from Congress because they do things that are gross and a disgrace. There's a lot of people up there. You want them having a say? Do you want some kind of governor, some sort of guard against them? Somebody holding and keeping them at bay? Somebody saying, you want to think this one through. All right, just think this one through. That's what the speaker does or should do. And uh, removing that means you remove it for the other side too. Quite frankly, I don't believe for a second that a majority of the Democrats would vote for the flat-out communist policies of the House Progressive Caucus of their own free will. But I also do believe that they could easily be bullied into it. They could easily be bullied into it. Look at what the Democrats have bullied across the line. I can't believe that a majority, that, or at least you know, almost all of the Democrats, are really that anti-American. I can't believe that they really genuinely believe that men can declare themselves to be women and the girls in locker rooms are just going to have to learn to deal with it. That the girls in the locker rooms uncomfortable with a big burly man with his junk hanging out in the shower. Um, that the girls are the problem for having the problem with the man out there because the man has declared himself to be a woman 20 minutes earlier. So he's clearly a woman. I don't believe that they believe that. It's a political motivation for it, which is worse. It'd be much easier to just say they're dumb, but it is political motivation, which makes them a little bit evil, to be perfectly honest with you. I don't believe they believe that crap, but they are forced to go along with it because to speak truth to the power is uh, requires a bit of uh, testicular fortitude that they simply don't have. So if you cede all this power to a minority and as sympathetic as I am to the House Freedom Caucus and I said I would be a member of it if I were a member of the House of Representatives they are a minority in the membership of the Republican Party in the House of Representatives you cede that power to a minority then the other side will too and you're going to have to live with that 
and you might be cheering today, but you'll be Harry reading, looking at three Supreme Court justices from the other side tomorrow. Just something to keep in mind. So you want to make the, the job of speaker ceremonial and give all the power to... Here's a, 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 just a thought, because this is what drives me nuts. I am a conservative. I support conservatism. I support you know conservative philosophies advancing blah 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 all the things you you used to and i know so if you're new to the show you're going oh my god you don't sound like a conservative now i'm also a realist in that i have some questions there's one thing i do hear from the boberts and the gateses particularly the boberts when they do interviews is we are the majority. We were sent here to do X, Y, and Z. We want this. We want that. You're 20. It's 201 to 20. If you're in the majority, why aren't you in the majority? Right? Shouldn't, it, shouldn't that be the thing? When I hear Dem- it drives me nuts when, when Joe Biden says, that's not who we are as a country. And then it says, what, the American people want X, Y, and Z. And it's like, American people don't want that. American people want unfettered abortion at any time. The American people don't want that. There's no poll on the planet Earth that shows that the American people want unfettered abortion up until the moment of, of birth. Polls, if you're being honest, polls show that the majority of the American public support the right to an abortion in the first trimester. After that, it's nowhere near a majority. And the further away you get from the first trimester, the smaller the percentage of Americans do. They just lie and say, Americans want this, that, and the other thing. And you say, well, Americans want amnesty and a pathway to citizenship. And you're like, no, they, they don't. Americans really should be informed about what the hell's going on before you make any decisions whatsoever, and nobody's doing that. But Americans don't want a pathway to citizenship for 30 million illegal aliens. They don't. But if you say, should we uproot, if somebody's been here for 20 years, should we rip them out and trebuchet them into the Gulf of Mexico uh, in chummed waters where they are likely to be consumed by sharks, or should we find some other solution? Oh, well, I... Uh, some other solution. And the Democrats go, aha, see, there you go. If you're a majority, wouldn't you be the majority? Right? If the people holding the House in this holding pattern were in the majority, wouldn't they be the majority? Wouldn't they be more than 20? I, w- I would think they would at least be more than 20. It's, that's just me. It's a common sense thought, and I'm I'm sympathetic to them, but I have to look at this thing in a way that I I I can take my sympathies and stuff them in a sack and go, all right, I don't really care if I agree with this. I am an observer. My job, my my personality requires me to look at this honestly. So while I can sit there and say, yeah, I'd love I'd love it if uh, if cars could fly. Cars don't fly. You have to deal with the reality that is. It seems as though most of these people don't, don't want to, or whatever. It is something that uh, they're enjoying the attention, they're getting it. Matt Gates, you know, I want the position to be ceremonial. He's basically saying there's literally nothing that's going to make him happy, which is fine. I don't care if he's happy or not. But... Uh, what what's the point in talking to him 
If you know, the hostages, you take hostages, what are you going to do? I'm going to kill these hostages. All right, well, what do you want? I don't want anything. I just want to kill these hostages. What, what do you know? I'm going to kill these hostages. At a certain point, they either start killing hostages or you, you believe that they're going to start killing hostages. You don't sit there and keep on the phone going, well, we need to figure out a, a middle way where you only kill some of the hostages. No, you, you go, they're going to kill the hostages. We need to send in a team right now to take them out because they're serious about killing the hostages. In media, the equivalent of that is, well, then there's no point in talking to these people because they're not serious. Just my thoughts. By the way, uh, really quickly, checking my email. Sometimes something just comes in. It's so on the nose. This is from uh, a press release from Bobblehead Doll, the National Bobblehead Hall of Fame and Museum in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Boy, howdy. If you didn't already have vacation plans for 2023, get ready now that you know that the uh, National Bobblehead Hall of Fame and Museum apparently exists. It's at least at least a P.O. box and a website in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. They get this notice, the subject line, First John Fetterman U.S. Senator Bobblehead Unveiled. What? And I tweeted it out. You can go find it in my Twitter feed if you click on the uh, media You'll see it as a picture, a screen capture of it. They are doing it. They did a bobblehead of John Fetterman. They actually haven't designed it yet. It's just a bobblehead doll. The picture is a bobblehead doll with a picture of John Fetterman. It's actually just a picture of John Fetterman on a bobblehead stand. They haven't designed it yet. It's not available till May or whatever. But um, isn't isn't calling him a bobblehead a little bit too on the nose? Isn't that just, just a teeny bit too on the nose? Isn't that, isn't that some kind of insult? Isn't it ableist or something like that? Or mocking the disabled? Sit there, did you see his swearing-in ceremony? He's standing there with his wife and uh, Kamala Harris, and he he's clueless. He has no flippin' idea where he is. He's got this dumb look on his face like he was just told, make sure you smile. And then his kids come out, and this was what was most disturbing. When his kids, he's being sworn in as a United States senator. His kids come out. His wife is doing all the talking because he can't. And he has zero reaction to his children coming out there. Now, theoretically, being sworn in as a United States senator is a big moment in your family, right? In your life, you would be, you know, I don't know, glad to see your kids, have some kind of reaction to your kids. He had no reaction whatsoever to his kids. He's not there. He, may, he seems to have gotten worse. It's a horrible situation. And so we get uh, back to Kevin McCarthy, or not Kevin McCarthy, uh, Matt Gates on with Laura Ingram. And this is where he sort of gives away the, the game. I want this, that, and the other. We're getting, okay, well, if you get those things, you'll vote for him? Or you'll, no, I'll never vote for Kevin McCarthy. Well, then, honestly, this is stupid on a couple of levels. If you're sitting there saying, I'll never under any circumstances vote for somebody, then why the hell would they bother talking to you? Even if you, even if you think that way, even if you feel that way, even if that's what it is, you, you give away the story. I'm never going to vote for you. I don't care what you do. All right, well, then you're, you're done. You're worthless. You're not worth talking to, right? That's it. You've just neutered yourself. You've just taken a weed whacker to your private parts. Congratulations. 
You now go sit on the sidelines. That's what Matt Gates does in this clip. You did get a number of concessions that I'm not sure if I were on the other side, I would have given you, but a number of concessions from McCarthy, an attempt to get you know, to 218. So he lowered the threshold of the votes required to begin uh, the process of removing himself as speaker. Just one person, one member of the conference can do it now. And to keep, uh, he also agreed to keep uh, his own pack out of GOP primaries and also to add more Freedom Caucus members to the House Rules Committee. And I understand he also signed on to a separate approval process for earmarks and allowed floor votes on term limits for members and specific border policy legislation. What else do you require that he do or agree to before Matt Gates will say, okay, I'm on board? I wouldn't be betting on uh, my vote for Kevin McCarthy under almost any circumstance, but it's important to note that all of those so it's points personal, you just then. presented. Wait, McCarthy, well, hold, on, hold, on, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait, Ed, that's personal then. You, no, you no, just no. made this very principled point. No, no, you can't have it both ways. You can't say, I am, I'm a man of principle and I believe in X, Y, and Z, but if he gives me X, Y, and Z, I'm not going to vote for him. What? Well, here's, How does no, that no, no. make he sense? Here's how it makes sense, Laura. Kevin McCarthy is the masthead of the lobby corps. And I resent the extent to which Kevin McCarthy utilizes the lobbyists and the special interests to be able to dictate how political decisions are made, how policy decisions are made, and how leadership decisions are made. Do you see what I'm saying? I don't get, I'm never going to vote for him. Oh, well, then why, why are we talking? What's the point in talking to you? You're irrelevant then. No, 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 no. I, uh, I, I'm a man of principle. So if you win on principle, that's still not good enough for you? Well, uh, no, no. I resent that he's the guy, not that he's sold out to lobbyists, mind you. Just to give just a, a possible peek into where Matt Gates is coming from. I don't know Matt Gates. I don't want to know Matt Gates. But to give a I resent the fact that he is the gatekeeper and raises, essentially he's saying he's the gatekeeper of lobbyist money. He raises a bunch of lobbyist money and then distributes that lobbyist money to various Republicans. That's what that's what leadership does. That's what the speakership mostly is. It's being the major fundraiser. There's no individual member of Congress who raises more money than the leadership and that political party. And that leader then distributes, okay, this seat in uh, Washington State needs a whole bunch of money, so here's a whole bunch of money. This seat in Maine needs money. This seat in Maryland needs money. That's what they do. They raise hundreds of millions or tens of millions or whatever it is of dollars, and then they spread that around because usually they're pretty safe in their congressional seats, and Kevin McCarthy is safe. Nancy Pelosi is safe. That's how it works. And Matt Gates isn't saying, I hate the fact that he's raising lobbyist money. He's essentially saying, I hate the fact that I'm not getting some of that lobbyist money. If you really listen to what he says, there, that's what he's saying. This is what I mean by you need to. This is what I mean by what I always say. Republicans can't message to save their lives. They really can't message. This is the best message you've got. You've had months of planning this. You've had several days of executing this. And your opposition to Kevin McCarthy is you don't like the way he distributes lobbyist money? He's, he's uh, distributing lobbyist money in a way that wasn't, isn't advantageous to you? 
Sorry, dude. By the way, when it comes to Lauren Boebert, Kevin McCarthy did spend a couple million dollars, I believe it was, on getting her reelected. So that can't really be Lauren Boebert's complaint. Matt Gates won pretty easily, so he wasn't really at risk. Maybe he just wanted campaign money. Who the hell knows? For what purpose? Who the hell knows? But um, he wasn't really under risk. Did I, I love others saying, well, Kevin McCarthy, he didn't win enough seats. Okay, fine. He didn't certainly didn't win as many seats as were expected. I would agree with that. Everybody would have to agree with that because it's just simply factually accurate. But don't the candidates themselves have some responsibility in that? Don't you have to run a good campaign? All the money in the world is not going to turn a bad candidate running a bad campaign into a winner. Not very often. Not very often at all. At a certain point, you can you know, dress up a pig, you can put makeup on a pig, you can do all kinds of stuff. But sooner or later, the pig's going to have to dance. The pig's got to step up, don't they? And I sit there, I'm not defending Kevin McCarthy. I don't care if it's Kevin. I don't know who the hell would take this job at this point. But I just want some realism. I don't think that's too much to ask, but sadly... It's it's seeming like it is sometimes. As we wrap it up, I want to I want to play you this one clip of um, Prince Harry, because you are about to be and it's already started. Sixty minutes is all Harry. Uh, every morning show, he's got to sell something like two million copies of his memoir in order for the publisher to break even on the amount of money that they paid him. That's a that's a ton of money. Uh, publishers make about mm, 10 to 12 bucks a book. So you can sit there and figure out the math and how much they paid Harry to betray his family and how much it took. How much Harry's like, I won't betray my family for a penny less than this amount of money. But he's, he got a fight with his brother because whatever. Who cares? This guy seems like a really whiny person. He's out there talking about how he killed... 25 Taliban when he was in the military. Now the members of the military, members of his own platoon are like, dude, you don't talk about that sort of thing. The real answer is, well, you, 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 how does not giving that number, giving that number sells books. How many books does not giving that number sell? So just for the record, there's nothing this guy won't do for money because he wants to avoid getting a real job. And this will probably afford him to not have to do a real job for a while. His problem is he needs to live in like a $100,000 a month house. He can't just accept that he's going to have to budget himself. He doesn't want to do that. So he'll keep selling out. But he wants to, the world to know this is, this is your mind on liberalism. And talking to Anderson Cooper, 60 Minutes, he says, I was a bigot before I married my wife, before I met my wife, who's, you know, whiter than me, but she's, her mother is black. And so she's black. And then suddenly she's down with the cause or whatever. It's, I don't understand the logic and I don't really care. I, I don't dislike his wife. I don't really care about his wife. She seems like annoying, but then he seems worse. Doesn't matter what color they are. Listen to this. What Megan had to go through was, was similar in some part to what Kate and what Camilla went through. Very different circumstances. But then you add in the race element, which was what the press, British press jumped on straight away. 
I went into this incredibly naive. I had no idea the British press was so bigoted. Hell, I was probably bigoted you, before you, the relationship with, with Meghan. You think you were bigoted before the relationship with Meghan? I, I don't know. Put it this way, I didn't see what I now see. I didn't see what I now see. I had yet to be completely brainwashed by my weirdo, horrible, attention-seeking wife. But now that she has successfully driven a wedge between me and my entire family, I now see that I am horrible. I think he's dealing with PTSD from having killed those 25 human beings. As evil as they are, that's got to mess with you. Just my two cents. And uh, that's enough for today. That's all the relevant stuff that there is from there about the speaker fight. Back to, not live, but back to now. I'm going to go lay down. Have a wonderful Monday. We will see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening.